Today's podcast is brought to you by 13 Star Designs. That's right, they're back on the pod. The world-famous dickmark. As well as regular, boring bookmarks. But it's the first ever penis-shaped bookmark, and now, oh boy, do we have something special. A limited run of glow-in-the-dark, the podcast was on fire. Bookmarks, we got glow-in-the-dark dickmarks. They're pretty incredible. <laughs> what better thing to do to put in those Easter baskets for the kiddos? Um, or Mother's Day coming up. What more would she want than a podcast was on fire dick mark that glows in the dark? Why do you need a glow-in-the-dark bookmark? You know, I don't ask questions on these things. But check them out. They got other stuff as well. It's a great vinyl and embroidery shop. Our good friends at 13 Star Designs. Uh, Facebook.com slash 13 Star Designs or catch them on Etsy. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm Josh. And I am Alyssa. And we are back. Today's episode of The Podcast is on Fire. And it wasn't my fault. A spoiler-free run-through where we dig into the good, the great, and the problematic in the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher. On today's episode, we're looking at part three of book three, Grave Peril, chapters 13 through 18. All right. Yeah. A lot of good stuff in there. How you doing today, Ice? I am wonderful. How are you doing? Oh, man. I tell you, I'm living the dream. <laughs> Because if I told you otherwise, you'd have no interest in sticking around and listening. Yeah, they're good, uh, good little chunk there. Very action packed, as this yes. book series is wont to do. Mm -hmm. A little bit of good lore, nothing too crazy. We do learn a little bit more about this uh, capital N nightmare, and mm -hmm. um, we meet our good, our best skiing tennis buddies. Um, <laughs> we can catch up with them for another game of doubles here. We do. Of course, who's not interested in magic spit? You know, I mean, it's really... That too. My favorite kind of spit, <laughs> as far as spit goes. <laughs> Anything you want to get in here before we break it down? Um, I don't think so. There's, I got a lot of stuff about the goings-on in this chapter and have a new crackpot theory. Oh, actually, I do have a random thought. Is Butcher from Chicago? Because he talks about a lot of neighborhoods of Chicago, and I, you know, it's just completely unrelated to anything, has nothing to do with anything. I was just a curiosity. I didn't think so, because I thought there were some people that said he had some, uh, okay, issues. Um, ah, he's from Independence, Independence, Missouri. Ah, okay. And I know it's pronounced like that because I have a friend from Kansas City, Missouri, who hates it when you call it Missouri. <laughs> Even better. Just like people from Oregon. Oh, God. Ugh. Although, if you're from Independence or if you're from Kansas City, I would imagine you have very different ideas of a lot of things, not just... You're probably right on that. The pronunciation of Missouri. But so <laughs> he's, from, he's from the Midwest, so close enough, you know? Isn't all the Midwest the same? I mean... There you go. Trying to squeeze off, peel off our last couple listeners there. Um, 
I mean, full disclosure, I was born in Ohio. I lived there for a short time. And you're a Midwest. You're a Midwestern gal. You're a Midwestern technically. Woman. Oh yeah. Life of plastic. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes. So uh, where we last last left off, we mm-hmm. were at Mickey Malone's home, not just his house, his home, home specifically, and. Right we were struggling because he was clearly something was wrong with him. Didn't look like he was possessed, but he was not in a good way. And Harry has been enlisted by Murphy and crew. All the special investigations people are over there trying to figure out how they can get Murphy back to being, I'm sorry, Murphy, get Mickey, Mr. Malone back to being Mickey. So that's what they're tasked with. And we're looking forward to figuring that out here as we get through it. Uh, we, we pop back into Mickey Malone's home and, uh, Harry's there and uh, he was trying to get in touch with Mickey and trying to understand why he's so crazy. Um, he asks, is he in there? He's, he's got all sorts of giggles and disgusting things going on. He tries to reach out and bite Harry. I like that. He doesn't, obviously he doesn't get close to Harry because he's, you know, he's chained to the bed. But Uh when he tries to bite him, Harry backs up a ton just because someone's trying to bite you. You act, you react a little bit. I love that. But it's actually, actually accurate. Very, very accurate. Absolutely. Absolutely. But he ends up because he's his friend. Last couple episodes, there's, there's yawns. Mm-hmm. And I don't even realize as I'm doing it. Because he's his friend, he decides he's going to risk using the site. Which is very, you know, a kind gesture of him. Because the, when remember, anything you see with the site is indelible. Mm-hmm. It's going to stick around forever. So he opens up his site and he sees, much to his dismay... The same barbed wire spell wrapped around mm. Mickey that he saw wrapped around Agatha Hagglethorn. Which is um, certainly a big old fat rut row on the grand scheme of things. Um, one of the, the lore things, I, we've talked about this in the past, where different characters and different people will experience magic um, in different ways, up mm-hmm. to and including even the soul gazes and stuff. Um, but because of the way Harry visualizes magic as something coming from their energy, their will, and their being, it's bright. And it's kind of like, um, I don't know what the word is. What's the opposite of dull? It's, 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 it is brighter. It's sparkling. It's, it's more, uh, more shiny. Yeah, it is shiny and bright and kind of sparkly, I guess. Yeah. for lack of a better term but this spell is matte black it's dull mm-hmm. and flat which i don't know if there's much to that beyond that's interesting <laughs> yeah um, i don't really have a conclusion to base uh, upon that but i just thought that was a really interesting description the idea that like the spell being matte matters to him so since it matters mm-hmm. to harry i figure he knows more about it than i do i may as well mention it um he goes through and he decides to start peeling this spell off of him bit by bit. And obviously it causes more pain in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for Harry. It's freezing cold to the touch. 
Uh, I do like that after he gets it off of Mickey, just in classic hairy form. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have a plan at that point. No. <laughs> so the, no. the spell's now trying to wrap itself around Harry. Uh, and luckily, Murphy bursts in, and she looks like a you know an avenging angel to his sight, which is kind of cool. And you know he has her open the window, he throws it out there, and he fuegos it mm-hmm. and burns it up. And he, ends up, he, you know, he turns off his sight. But he saved the day, and uh, just a good back and forth there where he's explaining what happened. You know, something laid a spell on him. She checks his fever's gone. Malone almost instantly comes to. Yeah. So they're able to take his um, manacles off. You know, they, they see if they can go get his wife to come take a look. Um, and then Murphy and Harry kind of have a little back and forth about what's happening with, with the nightmare here. What's, hap- what's doing this? Harry doesn't know. He's calling it the nightmare. You know, how can we kill it? I don't know. It's a couple steps ahead of us. Um, and then there's the thank you for coming over here, Harry. Anytime. I'm always happy to help a lady in distress. Yes. Oh, God. Which uh, I don't, is a little yikesy, but that's more just making fun of your friend, which I have yeah, no problem 100%. with. Yeah, 100%. And then she, you know, it's, just, it's just a good exchange. Again, like one of those moments where it's clear that these people are friends. They're having a good time fighting evil, which is really the only way to fight evil. Because mm-hmm. if you're not having fun... What are you doing? Just just let the evil win, you know what I mean? But again, we mostly this was just kind of the conclusion of last week's hijinks. Mm-hmm. So it does kind of stand out as like, well, why didn't these idiots put it in last week's podcast? Mostly just for time. <laughs> <laughs> but there's really no great reason besides that. But it was just a good little also the uh cliffhanger of are they gonna save Mickey or not was something yeah. I wanted to subject and torture my sister with. But <laughs> in this case, it was really a brief chapter. The things I wanted to note were really that exchange by Dresden and Murphy just there. Uh-huh. Oh, we're buddy, buddy again. That's great. And then the matte black spell, the spell being matte versus kind of bright and shiny. Were like the two interesting things I took from this very short chapter, but they got the spell off of him. Um, the spell is susceptible to fuegoing. Fuego. Mm. And um, yeah, pretty, pretty cut and dry. I mean, this is why you bring the wizard in. He shows up. Uh, he kicks some ass. And, you know, he leaves business cards around for the next round. So, um, <laughs> but you know. wait, you forgot one important part when he sees Murphy through his sight. Oh, no, I mentioned it. She is an avenging, avenging angel. angel. I said that exact term phrase. Oh, did you? I missed it. Sheesh, nobody listens to me around here. But I love that she's got a blazing sword. And she's bright and shining. I freaking love that. Um, The other thing that I really loved was um, when he throws the wire out the window and zaps it, you get dogs barking and and car alarms going off. And the house, yeah, the house shakes. I think it's fantastic. There was a a big explosion. Um, Let's see what Rudy says about this one being fake also. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, he saw her as the Avengers angel and she asked about him, about what he saw. Um, The phrasing was... You looked at me, or was he, you stared at me with the strangest damn expression on your face. What did you see? And he said, you'd laugh in my face if I told you. Go get me something to eat. Um, this is one of those, which in real life, they might not talk about it here because it's uh-huh. fresh or whatever. They're talking about this over the next week. She's bringing this up, and he's going to tell her what he saw. What does she look like under the site? Because how would she not demand to know yeah what he sees when he sees her like i would want to know 
I, I, I get not wanting to look in a mirror and all that, but like at a certain point, this is your friend who's not, who is going to sugarcoat it for you and has a direct through line to like a direct vision of what exactly you look like in, you know, in your in truest real, form, true fo- the, in this second, I see them not having this conversation, but it's pretty evident. They don't have it later either. Yeah. And that's just very dumb. I would definitely, if I were her, I would want to know as well. Yeah, it's just not, I, in my mind, I find that very hard to believe. Well, but I mean, I guess the other side is that maybe she, maybe she doesn't want to know. Maybe she doesn't want to know what she, her true form is because what if it's something bad? Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, like, that's just. But she knows, she knows based on what his, the look on his face, right? Like she's, she knows now. She saw the look on his face. So yeah. she knows it's something powerful. Um, and cool, presumably. I, it's just one of those where it doesn't matter, grand scheme of things. No, no, it doesn't. But It is interesting. But I don't particularly buy it, that's all. And, and we end up here, I would find this nightmare, this thing that had crossed over and destroy it. And then I would find whoever and, or whatever had created it. Unless, Harry, I thought to myself, they find you first. <laughs> Like there's a the paragraph right before that, that I sat there shivering and alone and aching. I was starting to take this business personally. Malone was an ally, someone who had stood up to the bad guys beside me. The more I thought about it, the more angry and more certain I became. I just love that. That's his will. That's his yeah. will. That's great. And emotion. Um, the other thing about that I have a question about is the fever. Have we established anything with the fever? Like, why does he have a fever? Is this a, because I literally said, uh, have we established fever in the universe? Because we know cold equals ghosts. Does, does heat, have we had anything dealing with heat at this point? I can't remember. I don't feel like we have he any. The, he talks about the, the, the barbed wire spell being so cold that it burns. Mm-hmm. So um, why does the, he have a fever? The fever itself? Well, I mean, I guess if he's got something so cold that it burns in him, his body's going to heat up to fight against it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I. That's me spitballing. That's not. Yeah, no, no. It was just something that I thought about um, because because of like all of these other details are so vividly mentioned all the time. Yeah, no, Uh, that is interesting. But I I actually now that I think about it, I think that's actually a really good answer. I'm really proud of you, Joshy. Thanks for coming up with that so quickly on the fly. (laughs) So wonderful. No, but like if something really cold is attacking your body, what would your body's natural response be to, to to warm up? It depends, though, because, I mean, like, the whole concept of hyperthermia where your body just shuts down and it doesn't necessarily get hotter. It gets colder. But, but it is an external it's, force. It's, I mean, it's, it's just, not hypothermic. This is a cold. Yeah. I just, I just, it was just a question because it was, we have so much um, in-universe stuff of other stuff. The other question I had was the soul gaze. If he did soul gaze, he wouldn't, would he see Malone's? soul or would it be the soul of what is possessing him at that point he wasn't sure that something was or was not possessing him so that might actually mm-hmm. be a good question okay. um it which is still answered later on in the text mm-hmm. that when something is possessing something mm-hmm. the soul gaze that you get is the possessed e Okay, that's what I figured. And remember, we've talked about in the past how people change very much so completely versus how 
demons and other creatures that never never change right mm -hmm. so in that in that conversation that was about your name yeah uh, when, when you get the name of a demon like um Kalshazak, which luckily you can't remember so you can never use in a negative <laughs> fashion. i can never say it right either maybe i don't say it exactly right either that's why you write in your notebook all the inflections and stresses and all that stuffs so even if you get the true name from their own lips of a mm -hmm. human being it's only good for a certain amount of time because humans change over time they adjust they adapt they grow they learn whereas creatures of the never never and the fey mm -hmm. don't yeah they stay the same so when you get a name like Kal Shazak, Kal Shazak, Kal Shazak, whatever the fuck it is um if we were ever to get it right that name would be good forever. I think the okay. soul and the soul gaze would be connected to that. So in this moment, Mickey Malone, whatever name you have for Mickey Malone is probably not going to be right because he is fucked up. But the soul that you gaze upon would be Mickey Malone's. It would just be Mickey Malone's in that moment. So it'd be this tortured, pained, awful existence for this man. But you would still be soul gazing Mickey Malone sense yeah so it would be a terrible experience and you wouldn't really learn much you would just learn that this is the guy that's suffering i guess yeah. you would probably would have seen why he was suffering i would guess but who knows okay um, i just you know the difference between the soul gaze versus the uh looking at him with this site just trying to yeah, sort that, that out that is really interesting that's a good question and i like it um but the but the soul gaze later on just a couple books from now actually i think is when we get our first soul gaze of someone who's actively possessed. Um, possessed is also, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I'd say possessed small p. Someone who's working in tangent with a nefarious being wrapped around their soul. In tandem, not in tangent, Jesus. Working in tandem with a nefarious being wrapped around their soul. And um, yeah, so that's the end of the chapter and they move on and uh, let's, see what the aftermath looks like all right so in this in my in my notes i started it with meaty chapter with lore uh <laughs> fair enough i mean it's pretty accurate there harry's back at his place and he coordinates with michael a little bit he's he tells michael about the barbed wire wrapped around the spirit and tells him you know we i don't think i've ever run into a spell like this uh and he said it was wrong michael cold it was evil he suggested maybe yeah there is such a thing as evil harry in spite of what many people say just remember that there's good too i really just liked that um yeah i just like michael's i do too look and positivity but, and they're they're not i don't have <laughs> but they're not just uh bullshit yeah he really believes these things they're not just platitudes you know, he's he's trying to give Harry hope. And I really like that. They uh, talk about Murphy putting out the word for to try to track down Lydia. He says, you see, Harry, this detour of yours to help Detective Malone is going to help us a great deal. Isn't that a very positive coincidence? Yeah, Michael, divine fortune, yada, yada. Call me. You don't yada, yada the Lord, Harry. It's disrespectful. <laughs> God go with you. And he hung up. I just like that. It's just. You don't yada yada the Lord Harry. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I have a uh, old uh, coworker who used to say, you know, da da da, bullshit, bullshit, and then that was her yada yada. <laughs> that was just made me think of that. And so Harry puts on his robe and he goes into his subterranean, or he starts to go into a subterranean lab, and the phone rings again, and he answers, "What?" I have to hand it to you, Dresden, Susan said. You certainly know how to charm a girl the morning after. (laughs) I just love that. And then she asks him about a case that he handled. I don't want to add to your day, but do you remember the name of that guy you and special investigations took down a couple of months ago? The ritual killer? And we learn that it's this is Lenoid Kravos, who is a wizard of sorts, a, a sorcerer. And she's working on an angle. He's a... A sorcerer, not a wizard. Sorry, he's a sorcerer, not a wizard. He's a bad guy, basically. Well, yeah, but basically sorcerers are generally, but it's uh, it does it's distinction really without difference. But it's usually mm-hmm. they're really good at certain types of magic. Their wizard is more all in, all encompassing power. Oh, um, so a uh, sorcerer is a wizard, but every wizard is not a sorcerer. Maybe. Uh, every wizard's a sorcerer. Every sorcerer's not a wizard. Okay, okay. Sorcerer's like a lower tier of wizard. And he talks gotcha, about it gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. In, the, in the dream that's coming up in one of these chapters here. He, okay, he, explains, yeah. he explains it to the, to the crew, but just, it's like warlock. Warlock and sorcerer aren't interchangeable necessarily, but they're similar in that they're like, usually scale. it means it's a, yeah, it's just a skill it's level. A scale. Kind of okay. and, and he even said it to uh, Susan when he was talking about White Council is is like a a black belt. It's like a wizard. Yes, Being okay. a wizard of the White Council means you're a spellslinger of the highest. A spellslinger. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we get back into Harry's laboratory, and we've got a great description of what the debris he has in his. He describes his, his lab. He says debris. Technically, everything in the lab was useful and served some kind of purpose. But I really enjoyed the description of notebooks, dozens of pens and paper, pencils, paper clips and staples, reams of paper covered in my restless, scrawling handwriting, the dried corpses of small animals, a human skull surrounded by paperback novels, candles, an ancient battle axe. They all had some significance. I just couldn't remember what it was <laughs> for most of them. That's how I feel about my craft studio. <laughs> all of the shit in here is useful. Don't always remember what I bought it for, though. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, he wakes up Bob. And uh, I really do love the description of Bob in this, in this uh, chapter. Up on its shelf, the skull quivered. Twin points of orangish flame flickered up in the eye sockets. The white jaws parted in a pantomime yawn, an appropriate sound coming out with it. Stars and stones, Harry, the skull muttered. You're inhuman. It isn't even sundown yet. And I love that. Bob is, he's a teenager who just wants to sleep. But he has been very busy. He says, even spirits get tired, Harry. I need rest. Also, don't really, don't particularly love that Bob uses yeah. inhuman as an insult. I feel like that would be a compliment from Bob. Right, yeah, it is odd. Um, but he, you know, Harry says, time enough for rest when I'm dead. <laughs> all right, all right then, Bob said. You want to make a deal? I want to do a ride-along next time Susan comes over. Just creepy. Creepy. Yeah, but it's Bob. Still creepy. Sure. And, and Harry shuts it down. I don't care. It's still creepy. Uh, okay. So then Harry uses kind of reverse psychology with Bob. He says, anytime you want. <laughs> we learn a little bit about Bob's prior misadventures. He says, anytime you want to head back to the homeland, Bob, feel free. 
No, 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 the Skull muttered, that's all right. I mean, there's still that misunderstanding with the Winter Queen, but all right, I said, you probably don't need my protection anymore. I'm sure she should be willing to sit down and work things out rather than putting you in torment for the next few hundred years. All right, I said. Bob's eyelights flamed. You can be such an asshole, Dresden, I swear. Yep, I agreed. You awake yet? <laughs> the skull tilted to one side in a thoughtful gesture. You know, it said, I am. I do love that. He just uses psychology, psychological tricks to get Bob to participate. I also, again, I love the little details. Trust me, wizards don't wear robes for the dramatic effect. They just can't get warm enough in their labs. I know we've talked about this before, but I really kind of still enjoy those little details. Oh, yeah. Harry gives Bob some details of the case, and Bob has an interesting reaction. I peered at the skull. If I didn't know any better, I would think that Bob sounded nervous. Was that even possible? Bob wasn't a human being. He was a spirit, a being of the never-never. The skull was his habitat, his home away from home. I let him stay in it, protected him, and bought him trashy romance novels on occasion in exchange for his help, his prodigious memory, and his affinity for the laws of magic. Bob was a records computer and personal assistant all rolled into one, provided you could keep his mind on the issue at hand. He knew thousands of beings in the never-never, hundreds of spell recipes, scores of formulae for potions and enchantments and magical constrictions. No spirit could have that kind of knowledge without it translating into considerable power. So why was he acting so scared? That's pretty daunting. This creature of innumerous magic and power is acting scared. You humans, Bob said, you're never satisfied. You always want to find out what's behind the next hill, open the next box. Harry, you've got to learn when you know too much. I stared up at him for a moment, then shook my head. We'll start with basics and work our way through this step by step. Damn it, Harry. Ghosts, I said. And here we learn a little bit more about how ghosts we, when we met Agatha, you know, he gave us a little bit of a rundown of ghosts. He breaks it down even more here, which I really appreciate because, like I said, this is a meaty chapter with lore. Ghosts are being that live in the spirit world. They're impressions left by a personality at the moment of death. They aren't like people or sentient spirits like you. They don't change. They don't grow. They're just there. Experience whatever it is they were feeling when they died. Like poor Agatha Hagglethorne. She was loopy. So they're spirit beings. Usually they aren't visible, but they can make a body out of ectoplasm and manifest in the real world when they want to, if they're strong enough. And sometimes they can just barely have any physical existence at all and just kind of exist as a cold spot or a breath of wind or maybe a sound, right? Give it up, Harry, Bob said. I'm not talking. They can do all kinds of things. They can throw things around and stack furniture. There have been documented incidents of ghosts blotting out the sun for a while, causing minor earthquakes, all sorts of stuff. But it isn't ever random. There's always some purpose to it, something related to their death. I love that we're giving ghosts purpose. It's fantastic. So if someone leaves a strong enough imprint when they go, you got yourself a strong ghost. I mean, badass. Maybe like this nightmare. So we're putting this concept of the nightmare into a very strong ghost. And then Bob says, well... What if this is something stirring up the spirits to create this turbulence, to create the big bad? And 
that's it. Harry thinks that's a pretty interesting, interesting thought. And stirring up the never, never, but who would do that? And why you've got me a big mystery. We'll never know time for a beer. Bob <laughs> is trying to deflect. He's not very good at it. Cause he gets distracted. Stirring up the never, never makes it easier for something to cross over. So whoever laid out these torture spells must have wanted to pave the way for something. And it's getting stronger. Gods, Harry, don't you never give up? Never. Then I might as well help you. You don't know what you're dealing with here. And if you walk into this with your eyes closed, you're going to be dead before the sun rises. Nice little warning there from Bob to end the chapter. I kind of appreciate it. Yeah, (laughs) just Bob... Uh, again, I'm very pro Bob, which I realize doesn't, I like Bob, doesn't but always I think jive with a lot of the. Uh, yeah, there's creep. There's elements of it where it's just like I think it's unnecessary, but I do like the character of Bob. Yeah, and and you know, again, we we disagree on this point, but I I, I feel like it's intentionally over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, agree, I think we agree with that. I don't think it's necessarily problematic because it's so intentionally over the top. But I get what I get where it is very clearly problematic if that makes sense words are hard um i shouldn't be a podcaster like i said i i like i think we're supposed to be in on the joke of bob as over the top and mm-hmm. maybe that is giving too much credit to butcher and bob but say la vie there's one thing i like there in chapter three mm-hmm. lydia says i want your protection and if i don't have it i'm not sure i'll live through the night mm-hmm. and here Bob says, and if you walk into this with your eyes closed, you're going to be dead before the sun rises, which are almost the same thing. Um, you know, your eyes closed. But they repeatedly tell us that all of these, all of these creatures, critters have power at night. He just spoke to Michael about how we have to get this all done before daylight because, or before daylight ends, because they're going to have power at night. So it does make sense. It's kind of a, a thorough, a common thread, if you will. Well, yeah, I just, I just liked how similar they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they really are. I mean, they're, they're very, they're just very similar quotes. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was interesting more than. No, definitely. Was. But it's assuredly a callback. Uh, maybe it's not, mm-hmm. but it feels like it was for sure. And Harry gets on Bob for the melodrama. Yeah, before the sun rises, you know, why don't, why don't you just go over the edge and tell me I'm going to be sleeping with the fishes? I love <laughs> I that. I like Bob's response that, I'm not sure that much of you would be left. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, look yeah. at what it's done. It crossed a threshold. You know, again, they go kind of, they, they continue to retcon the stuff from Stormfront where, yeah, it was, it crossed your threshold, but all it did was physical stuff. It spat out saliva. It, broke through stuff, you know, with its strength. It didn't try to wrench your soul apart or enchant you into a magical sleep. This is getting to be a pretty fine distinction, Bob. It is. <laughs> I do like the Bob's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. All of this is kind of bullshit, but it all works. Kind of works. <laughs> um, they, they go on just about the lore of the nightmare, what, you know, how the threshold should have stopped it. It doesn't have an invitation. They kind of break down, try, again, just like investigators, right? This is This is the... You know, part of the scene where the, the, the investigators are trying to figure out and break down the, what the evidence is telling them. Is Lydia in cahoots with the nightmare? Did maybe mm-hmm. Sonia Malone 
somehow invite the nightmare in? How is it doing the things it's doing? And there really aren't a whole lot of really good answers that fit the given facts. Yeah, it just it's just a cool scene that you'd expect in this type of novel, whether or not there's magic involved. You know, they're, they're just breaking down the case, him and his, in this case, him and his partner, right? You know, breaking down the case. What are the facts? What do the facts tell us? How, who could this be? Um, there's a good one where he talks about how, either way, I think Lydia knows more than she's admitting. <laughs> Harry says, gee, a woman taking advantage of Captain Chivalry. What are the odds? <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's just pretty good stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's going to sound like I'm just breezing through this chapter, but really nothing happens. They just talk yeah. about the possibilities, and there isn't even really any new lore besides that. But mm -hmm. there's a, a great reference where he's talking about how, remember, what, what, a lot of what Harry does as a private investigator is he finds lost things, right? That's one of the mm -hmm. bold points in his ad in the Yellow Pages. Mm -hmm. And so he makes a reference to that where he says, I'll work up a spell to find the talisman I gave her, just like when I find people's wedding rings. Mm -hmm. And Bob says, great, give him hell, Harry. Have fun storming the castle. Which is a great that. Princess Bride reference there. Mm -hmm. But he decides he's going to send Bob out to do some investigating of his own as he tries to track down the talisman. And mm -hmm. Bob complains, the sun's up, I'm exhausted. But he says, I can't just flit around like some kind of dewdrop fairy. But again, we learn a little bit more of the rules and restrictions mm -hmm. around Bob, which is great. Um, just in a... In, in a Bob complaining, we learn more about yeah. Bob. It's just great characterization, great exposition. Uh, yeah, we're going to give uh, Mr. Butcher shit when he's, you know, is a little bit clunky. That is just such a great exchange right there because we learn oh, about, yeah. we learn so much about so many things. And all it is is Bob saying, yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> like, right. That's it's fantastic. It is masterful, masterful novel, yeah. novelism, novelisting. There, uh, novelisting, that is a word now. <laughs> but he tells Bob to do a ride along with Mr., which I like. That, I love um, that so much. He just can just ride Mr. all over the place, which is fun. And uh, we see him flit over into Mr. He does say, you know, make sure you don't get him killed. <laughs> right. Uh, but I do the who, love the who boy. What's more into the breach, dear friends, eh? Harry, don't quit your day job. To become a motivational speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I have your permission to, permission to come out. Um, again, he has to get Harry's explicit permission, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, just some of this, it is really chunky with lore. There's just, it's just so masterfully. It's so well done. It, it really in is. two pages. It's, yeah. It's, it's really, really it's brilliant. Well brilliant, done. quite frankly. Yeah. Come on, guys. We're on a trail. We have the advantage. What could possibly go wrong? God Dear damn God. it, Harry. What are Stop you doing here? Saying that. I thought dude. you were an expert. Jesus. Come on. Harry's going to try and find Lydia. So he's marinates with Lydia in his mind about who she is, what she is. Either she was one of the bad guys and had been playing me for a sucker, or she was a victim who was in need of my help. If the former, then I wanted to confront her. I had this thing about people who lie to me and try to get me into trouble. If the latter, then I was probably the only one in Chicago who could help her. She could be possessed by one very big and very brawny spirit who would need to, to get some, pardon the pun, exorcise. That's a visual play on words here, and I appreciate it. I love a bullshit pun. Uh... Uh, and then Harry is, I tried to keep my cool as I drove, at least as best I could, because we know we could blow technology, and I love that this is his zen driving it's kind of, 
you know, so I did my best to zen out while I got to my destination. Parking strips alongside Wicker Park. The shadows of the trees in Wicker Park, meanwhile, stretched out like black fingers creeping toward my throat. Thank God my subconscious isn't too symbolically aware or anything. I just think that's great. It's, it's very much Harry. It's how we have Harry existed. I mean, this is how we have Harry described to us. He's just sarcastic and he, he is self-deprecating to the nth degree, which, I mean, I love that. We learn a little bit more magic. Um, we have a magical recap with, uh, I glanced around and squatted down on the sidewalk and drew a circle around myself, willing it closed as the chalk marks met themselves on the concrete. I felt a sensation, a crackling tension as the circle closed, encasing the local magic energies, compressing them, stirring them. We've got this energy created by the chalk circle and he says most magic isn't quick and dirty the kind of stunts you can pull off when some nasty thing is about to jump up in your face are called evocations they're fairly wow. limited yep and they're they're limited this is the limited magic this is the the you know the fuego magic he needs help from artificial foci and in his case he uses his blasting rods or one of his other quote enchanted doodads which i love <laughs> Most magic is a lot of concentration and hard work. That's where I was really good. Thaumaturgy. Thaumaturgy is traditional magic, all about drawing symbolic links between items or people and then investing energy to get the effect that you want. So we are, we are getting more reiteration about the power of energy, the power of the energy around you, because we he's just closed the circle encasing the local magical energies but he's also talking about thaumaturgy and how that energy you're investing energy in the, and finding these links and he says i've yet to meet a slobbering monster polite enough to wait for me to finish because thaumaturgy does take effort and time and planning but that is how you know he ends up with symbolic objects like the shield bracelet the talisman but he's using the two bracelets that would resonate within the same pitches. This is where we learn a little bit of new magic with the tuning fork. I took the tuning fork and laid it down beside the bracelet with the two ends of the shield bracelet touching each other, making a complete circle. Then I closed my eyes and drew upon the energy gathered in it. So he's got a circle in a circle. And he's making this happen. And I love, at the words, the energy poured out of me in a rush that left me a little lightheaded. There were no sparks. No glowing luminescence or anything that el anything else that would cost a special effects budget some money. Just a sense of com completion and a tiny, almost inaudible hum. I love that. That is, This is a low-budget special effects move. Uh, <laughs> so he tracks her with the, the tuning fork and the talisman that she's wearing to an abandoned building near Wicker Park. In the building is a brand new side panel in or in front of is a brand new side panel van, its engine still ticking, cooling off, stood parked at the far side of the loading dock next to a five-foot-high stone abutment where trucks would have once backed up to load and unload goods. That is literally one sentence, and it is the most visually and auditorily exact way he could have described this. Because you know when, that, when an older car is off, it does that ticking sound. Bigger, you have that ticking sound, and you can see exactly where this car is parked. I thought this was, it, it was another example of phenomenal world building where he's, he's literally describing, it's such a simple thing, but I just loved that sentence. I just thought it was so great. So I had to read that one. This van has really tinted windows. 
and uh, something makes a hair stand up on the back of his neck. And he, he said, I spun to face the darkness behind me, the tip of my blasting rod rising up, my bruised fingers wrapped tight around its haft. I focused my senses on the darkness and listened, honing my attention to the area around me. Darkness. Drip of water. Creep, creak of building above me. Nothing. And then he goes back to the van and finds Lydia inside. And he finds she has a pulse, but she is catatonic, basically. He says she's drugged, I thought. What the hell was she doing here? Lying in a van, covered up in blankets, drugged and placed as neatly as could be. It didn't make sense unless, unless she was a distraction, the bait for a trap. I turned, but before I got halfway around, the cold energy I'd felt the night before flooded over the side of my face and my throat. He is always half a step behind. <laughs> <laughs> so very and close. Exactly. We see our ski school villain in Kyle Hamilton, and he is still wearing his tennis whites, and he attacks Harry. And Harry brings up his right hand with the ring that collects the kinetic energy, and he sends all that energy into this vampire. And he fucks him up. The raw force split his lips, but no blood flowed out. It dug into the corners of his eyes and tore the skin away, but there was still no blood. It ripped the skin from his cheekbones, all rubbery black beneath the Anglo-Saxon pink. Strips of flesh flapping back in the wave of force, like flags in a high wind. That's just amazing. He basically shredded his, his Edgar suit. And Kyle stirs, and he's on his all fours, and his body is contorting oddly. Because he's not, the underlying creature is not humanoid. And the visual on this is amazing. You, the vampire, hissed his voice, calm, normal, disconcerting. Whoa, that was original, I muttered, drawing in my will. Yeah, me. What the hell are you doing here? And where do you think you're going with Lydia? And, you know, he's like, is that what she told you her name was? You've been used, Dresden. I got a shivery feeling again and narrow my eyes. I didn't have any warning, but instinct made me leap myself to the one side in an abrupt leap. And our other ski school villain is here, Kelly, the blonde vampire. <laughs> She's drooling and in a cat suit with gloves and boots and a cape, which is just so odd. But I love the description where her clothing was smudged, imperfect, spotted with flecks of scarlet, and her blonde hair in disarray. Blood stained her mouth like smeared lipstick, or a child with a big cup of juice. A blood mustache. Hell's bells. She's got fruit punch mouth. I mean, it's a great visual. And from our flawless introduction to her before, and now she is a lot less than flawless, let's just say. So she says, Kyle, I'm hungry. So sue me. I weird out when someone starts talking about eating me. I swung the blasting rod at Kelly's face and started sending power into it, setting the tip to glowing. Yeah, Kyle, let her try. The girl is under my protection. I, have, I said, you two clear out now and I won't have to get rough with you. And then Kelly attacked. He tries to fuego her. Not in time. Fire slammed out the end of the rod, missing Kelly by at least a foot, but still hot enough to set the hem of her cloak ablaze. She plunged towards his throat and he is fighting her, but she is superhuman. And then droplets of her spittle fell onto my throat, my cheek, into my mouth. Ugh. And none of it mattered anymore. It was a glorious sensation that spread over me. Warmth, security, peace. Ecstasy began at my skin and spread through me, easing all the horrid tension from my muscles. And Kelly knows. She purrs, her hips writhing against his. And 
he's talking about feeling her breast pressed through the thin material of the bodysuit. But then there's a roaring sound, and the wall falls. His the building was on fire, and it and was it his fault. His, it was in this his case, fault. it was very much. It was his definitely fault. his fault. His misplaced <laughs> spewing, and I love it. I must have it must have weakened the structure of the entire building as it had. Oops. <laughs> so sunlight floods in, and Kelly is hit with the sunlight. And this is where I love the vampire lore consistency, where the sunlight roasts her. Sunlight roasts roasts vampires. And uh, a little bit of a throwback here. There were smears of something black and greasy on the concrete floor. <laughs> I the love that line. <laughs> he warned me they were going to be a greasy stain. I thought I it was that. fantastic. Such a good the, callback for sure. The side door stood wide open and Kyle, his face still hanging in ragged strips, hauled something grotesque. Gross. His sister, her true form no longer shrouded by its mask of flesh. He slams him, puts him in the door, slams the door. Wizard, he hissed, you will pay. I'll make you pay for this. And the van speeds off through the garage door, pieces of wood flying. Damn, I mumbled, mumbled, looking back at the spreading fires. I'm kind of hard on buildings. I love that. But the other thing, Lydia's still in the fucking van? She is. Motherfucker. And, you know, uh, he starts, stumbles back to the beetle and, and tries to head home. Behind me, as I did, the sun sank beneath the horizon, freeing all the things that go bump in the night to come out and play. Oh, good. Uh-oh. So Harry's obviously not in a good way from the vampire venom that he allowed to get into his mouth. And he gets home and misters rumbling per greeting. I I miss my kitty. (laughs) Hmm? I miss my kitty. Um. But there's a point in here that I didn't really like. I don't know if you caught it or not, hmm. where he's stumbling around his room. He's trying to slow down his heart rate. Um, and he goes through the bathroom and flicks on the light. And he shielded his eyes and studies himself in the mirror. But he says he has no mirrors. That's... Exactly. He doesn't have a mirror. Hmm. I didn't like that. Um, grand scheme of things, does that matter? No. Um, no. It does, um, because in the previous, or in this chapter, he talks about how he doesn't have any mirrors for the baddie to get in. Oh, he does say that, yeah, he exactly. specifically says, so. Yeah, I, I, this, it's just a mistake, because yeah. he wanted to talk about his pupils being dilated nice and big, like yours were last week. Yes. Um, Different reasons. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but it, it's just dumb because he could have done that in the Beatles, the mirrors in the Beatles. Yes, I agree. Um, you know, I was on my knees slobbering them, slobbering them off a, a chapter ago. So in this case, I'm going to be a jerk. Um, <laughs> it just wasn't not well done. I mean, you 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 know your characters better than I do, presumably. Mm-hmm. Just a mistake. Not the end of the world by any means. No, but. not at all. But it, it is, a, you know, it is a it's it jarring. Is it's jarring yes. when, when you talk. He talks a lot about how he doesn't like looking into mirrors. Mm-hmm. And he means that metaphorically, but also literally. Yeah, very much so. Good catch. But either way, he 
you know, tries to block out the pain. And a lot of what he's doing is um, he goes back. He mentions this every time we get something about Justin, his mentor. Mm-hmm. It's just more and more awful. You know, I've learned to block mm-hmm. out pain when necessary. Studying under Justin, it had been a practical necessity. My teacher hadn't believed in sparing the rod and spoiling the potential wizard. You learn very quickly not to make mistakes, given mm-hmm. the correct incentive to avoid them. Which That's is rough. horrifying and child abusingly not ideal. But okay. uh, what can you do? It's funny, he says blocking out pleasure was a more difficult exercise. <laughs> so, Which makes uh, sense. The vampire venom is, isn't designed just to torture you. It's designed to make it everything pleasant. so pleasant that you want to come back. Um, as we saw in the Bianca chapter of Stormfront, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that he's having this issue with... It's a poison, but it's not necessarily a poison that's meant to kill you. It's a poison that meant, that's meant to lower your inhibitions, mm-hmm. make you enjoy what's going on, chill out, mm-hmm. and just give your type O directly over to this vampire's mouth hole. Yeah. Um, and there's a, poor, a part of this, where which I don't love, where, you know, we, we've already come to believe that he's a wizard and he has supernatural powers, but when he's try, he's remembering what her what lydia's heart rate was in the car and try to talk about his heart rate it is odd i get it you're just trying to say that this is a dude who's like in control of himself um and really upping his power level with something so insignificant but it it kind of tells you you know tell tell me he's powerful without telling me he's powerful he's taken the time to get really good at heart rate manipulation and heart rate counting like yeah. clearly what other skills has he taken the time to get really good at mm-hmm. is the implication to me i don't know how you read that one no it, it very much it's the he has a lot of control over a lot of things is kind of yeah. how my brain went with that and we've heard it with his his breathing his listening mm-hmm. um it doesn't necessarily not fit with all that it's just weirdly specific and something that I I don't mind him being able to control his own heart rate a little bit, you know, to some extent. Um, it's, it seems a little extreme what he does to himself here, but specifically when he's like, when he's touching Lydia, he can figure out what her heart rate is. Like, Yeah, that is a little odd. Not like in the moment when you're holding someone and you're counting to 15 and mm-hmm. you're doing, doing the math, but like, now, when he's fucked up on vampire venom, he can figure out that she had 60 beats per minute. Like, come on. It is a little odd. I agree. Yeah, it just... It, it's just weird more than anything, and it doesn't really... Mm-hmm. Whoa! Headphones dropped. Hang on. It's just more weird than anything else and i don't think it really adds to anything there's a a few things in this chapter which just kind of stand out that being one of them which if this were a direct telling would make sense right because he's fucked Mm -hmm. up on vampire venom so obviously everything's going to be like this fever dream like i mentioned but we know for a fact based on other chapters that this isn't him telling us what's happening in the moment. Yeah. So I wonder if, you know, we talk about early episode weirdness is a 
it's a you know the website TV Tropes? No. Oh my god, I'm so sorry that I did this to you. <laughs> TV Uh-oh. Tropes okay. is the biggest rabbit hole of all rabbit holes. Uh-huh. So, um, Lissy's going to be absent for a couple podcasts because she's going to be stuck <laughs> on TV Tropes. She also got fired from her job. Um, it is an absolute, you just will get sucked in and you look up one one trope it's, and it's, it's like one of those uh rabbit hole sort of situations it absolutely like okay six hours later you'll be like oh i wonder what i was looking up in the first place and then yeah. you have like i don't know if you this is how you look at stuff on the internet but when you end up with like 463 different tabs open oh yeah um, no, totally. tv tropes is one of those okay. so um just user beware everyone here you have been <laughs> warned when you go to tv tropes but tv tropes is great but one of them is early episode weirdness which is just We've mentioned it before on this podcast where it's just like early on, the lore is not all settled. You're not really sure what's happening. There's going to be some wonkiness with some of the rules of the universe. And that's Mm -hmm. true of every show, every, everything, Um, you know, thinking like Seinfeld, how they had the the stand up quotes early on, you know, that just went Uh away. Um, little clips of stand up or whatever, but just stuff like that. We're like early on, but before a show or a series or something gets its footing, it does some stuff a little differently. I wonder if this was written to be this fever dream of a chapter. Okay. What? Like he's fucked up on vampire venom. So this <laughs> whole chapter is kind of fucked up. You know what I mean? That could be. Okay. That makes sense. Cause it, I can see that. it does play out that way for sure. But we do know that it's not, a like for like retell like he's not telling us what happened in the moment this isn't contemporary yeah. this is him either writing it down or telling it to somebody else like in the future because of the things he said the tenses he's used mm-hmm. in the past that you you picked up on a bunch of them in, in full moon and we've seen him once or twice and we've seen him once or twice in this novel as well so it's just wonky it doesn't work it certainly works better than the sneaky fake dresden shadow dresden chapter yeah, of full moon uh, yeah. but i liken it to the same kind of thing where it's ambitious and weird and just doesn't come off that makes um, sense that totally makes sense and that's you know like i said that, that may be me just projecting on it but it is how i feel about it no i, I like that I, I that i i think that i can totally see that and i i think i agree yeah just because the way it, it, it works it's just like you can even explain the mirror thing with just like He's so fucked up. He thinks there's a mirror. You know what I mean? Like, That's true. That is very uh, true. All of it just kind of could could be that, but it, yeah, no, it's not contemporaneous that he's writing it down. So, That's um, true. or at the very least, that. it's a retelling. So, um, either way, he ends up falling into a dream after he tries to stabilize and block himself off from mm-hmm. the vampire venom. And in the dream, it's that exchange with Leonid Kravos. Um, but it doesn't go the way he expects. But it's kind of a cool scene. We get to see, we get to see special investigations kind of in their in full str- full uh, full stroke. making making things happen exactly. And so everyone everyone has a gun in one hand and something else in the other. That's the part of this that scene that I like the most. They yeah. all have holy water or crucifixes or something of the like. Um, which is just great because of how often Carmichael, God rest his soul, or Rudy or whoever says something like, you know, this is bullshit. This magic stuff's not mm-hmm. real. 
while actively avoiding locking eyes with Harry. Um, yeah. I love in, that so much. This is in the moment they need, they need to do this. And they're all 100% on board, whether they believe it or not. I'm going to throw this fucking holy water at something. And if it works great, if not, I'm going to shoot it in the face. Yeah. Um, it's just wonder, wonderful scene building, wonderful lore building, mm -hmm. wonderful characterization of this group. Um, and they, they just go through the scene. So Murphy, you know, breaks it down and, you know, she's obviously in charge cause she's in charge. Mm -hmm. Um, but she, you know, we go through, we round up all the drugged up kids. Then Harry tells them the guy we're after is a sorcerer, sort of like being a wizard only he spends all his energy doing things that are mostly destructive. Mm -hmm. um, he isn't good at doing anything that doesn't fuck someone up, which is a fine description of a sorcerer or whatever. Um, but it makes him a badass as far as we're concerned. Malone Growl, which I love. Um, but they, they're going into it. He continues to explain that there's, there's going to be a demon and <laughs> Rudolph gets all Rudolphy. Mm -hmm. Rudolph gets all Rudolphy. Uh, Jesus, can you believe this shit? Jesus did believe in demons, Michael said. Love that. That is the only quote in this chapter I have highlighted because I freaking love it. It's like Michael's not doing a very good job converting Harry, but by the end of the series, he might convert me. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, he's just so good. He but is. The plan, I really do like him. The a lot. plan is Harry's going to lock down the sorcerer because they mm -hmm. have a piece of hair from a previous crime scene. So they're going to run in, get all the kids out. It's basically it's a cult, you know, with. A, presumably a sex cult of some sort, but it's a cult with kids. There's a demon mm -hmm. and there's Kravos, the bad guy, bad guy. And so what they're yeah. going to do is they're going to run in there, get all the kids out right away. And then it takes them about 90 seconds, they say, which I love. And then they have a piece of hair from, from a previous crime scene that Harry's going to use to lock down Kravos's power. Mm -hmm. Michael's going to go in and Amarakius the shit out of the demon. Mm -hmm. And the SI guys are going to go in and just break down whoever else is there and then end up, you know, now that Kravos doesn't have any power, they're going to be able to take him out as well. Yeah. In real life, Harry completed the spell, shut down Kravos. Michael had carved the demon into Chutney. Kravos had made a run for it, but Malone, at fairly long range, had fired a shotgun at the ground and at Kravos's feet and done it perfectly, sweeping the man's legs out from under him and leaving him writhing, bleeding, but alive. Murphy had wrestled the knife out of the sorcerer's hands and the good guys had won the day. <laughs> Just a good description there. It is. I really love it. I do. <laughs> In I the dream, it. it did not happen that way. Mm-hmm. Kravos does not lose his powers. The demon does not lose his duel with Michael. And basically, nothing good happens. They all go, they all go down in a blaze of whatever the opposite of glory is, because nothing glorious is happening here. And <laughs> it's pretty awesome, except Rudolph screams pasty-faced and white and runs away, which is fair. <laughs> um, and the demon and Harry are the last ones left. The demon walks over to Harry and just starts ripping pieces of him out and devouring chunks of him which sounds very pleasant ah uh, yeah i want to go back to the vampire vent one vampire venom please right <laughs> not this shit 
And then he gets woken uh-huh. up by a cat scrap, scratching the uh-huh. shit out of his face. Bob has saved the day as Bob is wont to do. Um, in in Mister Bob is in Mister, and he comes over and saves the day, scratches the shit out of his face, and wakes him up. And Bob thinks he figured it out. He says, "Harry, I I saw it, Harry. I think I know one after Malone and the others. I think I know how it did it. I tried to help you, but you wouldn't wake up." I'm sorry, Harry. The skull paused. And though his expression couldn't really change, it somehow looked troubled. I think I know what just tried to eat you. That's just amazing. (laughs) I think I know what tried to eat you. Okay, good stuff. And then, you know, the thing you've been chasing, I think, the nightmare, I think it was here. Nightmare, I said. I lowered my head and closed my eyes. Bob, I can't. I can't think straight. What's going on? Well, you came in about five hours ago, drugged to the gills on vampire spit, and muttering like a madman. I think you didn't realize that I was inside Mister. Do you remember that part? Yeah, sort of. What happened? <laughs> uh, and he, he relays his interaction with the uh, ski school villains. And uh, sounds weird, Bob said. Got to be something important to make them risk going out in daylight, even like that. Your dad is a ski developer, Melissa. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, I think you got torn up pretty good, spirit-wise. It's lucky you started screaming. I came as quick as I could, but you didn't want to wake up. The poison, I think. I remember that I had a dream. God, it was a terrible dream. I tried to change it, but I wasn't ready. I couldn't. A dream, Bob said. Yeah, that figures. It was a spirit that jumped me. And it doesn't make any sense. How did it get past the threshold? I love this. Your threshold isn't so hot to begin with, Bachelor Man. We learned all about the importance of the threshold and the power. And he said, the wards then. I've got all the windows and doors warded. And I don't even have any mirrors it could have used. Exactly. I know. Yes, exactly. And I felt like sprawling somewhere, crying my eyes out, puking up whatever shreds of dignity remained in my stomach, then crawling into a hole and pulling it in after me. It never came into me then, is what you're saying. It never had to cross those boundaries. Exactly. You went out to it. When I was dreaming. Yes, yes, it makes sense now, don't you see? Not really. Dreams, the skull said. When a mortal dreams, all kinds of strange things can happen. When a wizard dreams, it can be even weirder. Sometimes dreams can be intense enough to create a little temporary world of their own. Kind of a bubble in the never-never. Remember how you told me Agatha Hagglethorn was a strong enough ghost to have her own demands in the never-never? Yeah, it kind of looked like old Chicago. Well, people can do it the same at times. But I'm not a ghost, Bob. No, you're not. But you've got everything it takes to make a ghost inside you, except the right set of circumstances. Ghosts are only frozen images of people, Harry. Last impressions made by a personality, Bob paused reflectively. People are almost always more trouble than anything you run into on the other side. So, you know, he's saying, you know, okay, so my dream creates my own little (laughs) rent-by-the-hour demands in the (laughs) never-never. It's not all the time. Okay, only really intense dreams can do this, but the, with the border being being so turbulent and easy to get into, more people's dreams are making bubbles on the other side. That must have been how it got to poor Mickey Malone then, while he was sleeping. His wife said he'd had insomnia that night, so the thing hangs around outside the house, waiting for him to fall asleep, and starts killing fuzzy animals to fill up the time. The nightmare must have got inside with you. 
while my spirit was in the never-never, it, it should have ripped me to shreds. Not so. Your spirit's demands, remember? Even if only a temporary one, means you have the home field advantage. It didn't help since it got the drop on you, but you had it. So his home, his place, is even in that imaginary world. I think it's amazing. And Bob, is it possible for something like a demon to leave a ghost? I don't think so, unless it actually died there. Eternally perished, I mean, not just had its vessel dispersed. Michael killed it with Amaranchus. Oh. The sword might not be able to kill a demon, even though through a physical shell. That whole faith magic thing is... Sorry, that sword might be able to kill a demon, even though through a physical shell. That whole faith magic thing is awfully strong. So a demon that died while it was all fired up for a fight. Maybe that's what makes it so vicious. So the, the other thing, you know, is like, okay, but that doesn't explain the barbed wire. Who does this? Why? And, you know, Bob's like, well, maybe it's somebody else's work. And they think maybe it's Bianca. She recently got promoted. She's always had a little more than her share of freaky vampire tricks. And if she was over in the Never Never when she did it, it would have made her stronger. Yeah, that could work. Bianca stirs things up by torturing a bunch of spirits, gets all the turbulence going so that she could prod this nightmare towards you. Then she lets it loose, sits back, and enjoys the fun. She got a motive? Regret. This is our throwback where she's in that note, regret. She wants to make him regret Rachel dying. She could, could she have also been everywhere in question? Yeah, yeah, she could have. Means, opportunity, motive. Damn cheeky logic, though. Nothing I could justify to the council in order to get their backup, either. I, I don't have any proof. So Bob tells him to go, tells him, just go kill her. Hat up, hat up, every go kill her. This, every part of this exchange is so good. Oh my gosh. We're going to revisit it in a few minutes. Oh yeah, and he, you know, he's like, I can't just go around killing people. And that's why you should do it. No, 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 I can't just go. He says, you can't just go around killing people. I know, that's why you should do it. That's why you should do it. No, 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 no. I can't go around killing people either. Why not? You've done it before. You've got a new gun and everything. I just love it. He's just like, I'll get messed. Mister, go fetch the bullets. <laughs> it's just like, up. it's like, Bob, she's got lots of people around her too. I'd probably have to kill some of them to get to her. Oh, damn. This is one of those right and wrong issues, isn't it? Yeah, one of those. I'm still confused by this whole morality thing, Harry. Join the club. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> I love that. Um, and then Harry goes to try to light a candle, and his magic's not working. He's like, Bob, were you watching that? Yeah. What happened? You didn't put enough magic into the spell the first time. I put as much as I always do. Come on, I've done that spell a million times. 1,756 that I've seen. To light the candle. Uh. And then we learn... Bob has another bit of insight. It's probably because the nightmare took a big bite out of your powers. When it attacked you in your dream, did it go after a specific place on your body? He showed, you know, points to his lower abdomen. Ooh, chakra point. That isn't good. Got you right in the chi. Good thing you didn't go after your mojo, though, right? I mean, you have to look on the bright side of these. Are you saying it ate my magic? Not all oh, of it. Bob. I woke you up as quick as I could, Harry. Don't worry about it. You'll be healed. Sure, it might be down for a couple of months or years or, well, decades probably, but that's a very outside chance. He ate part of my power. And then we get a little bit more. Does this mean that the nightmare is stronger? Well, naturally, Harry, you are what you eat. And then Harry makes a good point. If it's using my power, it makes me responsible for what it does. Isn't the point? 
Or is that irrational? I, I think in Harry's world, I see it as very reasonable. Well, Bob and I both scoff. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, we, it, it shouldn't be hard. You know, he's been reading up, Bob's been reading up with the Ectomancer. And the thing can show up in nightmares, but there's going to be a commonality between all of it. Ghosts can only have the kind of power this nightmare has while they are acting within the parameters of their specific Ballywick. Bally what? Look at it this way, Harry. A ghost can only affect something that relates directly to its death. I love this. Agatha Hagathorn couldn't have terrorized a Cubs game. <laughs> but it's very specific. You know, Agatha couldn't just run somewhere willy-nilly and wreak havoc. So the nightmare has to have a personal beef in this. It has to be related to his demise. And so more specifically, it's what Mort Lindquist was saying in his journal. Me, I said, and Lydia, and Mickey Malone. How the hell do all of these relate? I never saw Lydia before in my life. At least I don't think I have. She's kind of an oddball. Leave her out of the equation for a minute. Damn it, I said. I turned on unsteady legs, running up... Sorry, I turned and ran toward the stairs up on my unsteady legs, hauling myself up them toward the phone. What? Bob called after me. Harry, what? If that thing's a demon... If that thing is the demon's ghost, I know what it wants. Payback. It's after the people that took it down. I've got to find Murphy. Holy fucking shit. There's our cliffhanger for you. But I like it. You know, he's, he figured it out. He always does. But he figured it out. And I think that's pretty damn cool. Um, about how that, that back and forth with him and Bob made his brain work so that he figured it out. And it's coming after Murphy. So I am paying attention, but also I have two kittens that just came out of the woodwork and are nuzzling into my hair. So. Um, I care a lot less about other things. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, that chapter is great. Yeah. Uh, again, like you're starting to see why I love Bob. Oh, I yeah. think in chapters like this where obviously he's a little iffy at times, and I will be the first to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a big fan of the love potion, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just so much good with the like, oh, this is one of those right and wrong things, right? <laughs> right. I don't get the morality. It's just so hard to figure this out. Like, yeah, I know I can't kill her. That's why you should. <laughs> right. Just, I just It's love just, it. it's such, again, we've got more brilliant dialogue that actually moves the story forward. And it's not like thumpy in the head exposition. It's like, this is what's going on. It's, I love it. I think it's fabulous. Yeah. No, it, it's just, like you're saying, it's not just cool, clever dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's and this is something that, uh, you know, another disgraced uh, filmmaker was kind of hit with is that he had this really clever wordplay, but it didn't do anything with the story. Right. Mm-hmm. I just so we're clear, we went an entire episode without a single Buffy reference last week. So we got to hit our quota this week. Oh, um, shit. Did we really? Oh, my God. The reason why Hush, the season four episode with almost no dialogue exists was because people were saying, like, oh, all he is is just catchy dialogue. Um, but Joss Whedon writes, I think it was a, is a brilliant writer. I mean, you could be a douchebag mm-hmm. and be a brilliant writer. Um, but a lot of his clever wordplay is just that. This is, like, great, clever conversation that 
blasts the story forward. This is such good writing. And I wonder, I mean, obviously the mediums are very, the media are very different with, you know, when you're talking about television slash movies and novels. But I would love to see a TV show where he's, where Butcher's got some level of control just because this is so great. Every word Mm -hmm. in this exchange has deeper meaning than it just than face value it's telling you're learning something about the lore the characters the situation and it's just a fun conversation it is uh, it's, it's, it's well done so great um that i thought that was a great place to end this week and we get a little bit of yeah. cliffhanger of i gotta go i gotta go deal with murphy i gotta go save the world so uh we'll catch you on the back end here back end here with some analysis what's funny is not a lot happened but a lot happened (laughs) yeah i agree no totally and that's you know that's the thing about these this these books it's there's stuff can happen and you know it's busy crazy and then other weeks we've got not a lot happening but a lot going on in the story building and stuff like that exactly which is great you know we've got our black wires throwback we've got you know what murphy's true form is one of the things that i actually have a question i wrote it down for chapter 17 but i held it to the end susan's question about the sorcerer and i know that a lot of it is because of the the nightmare but susan's question did it inspire the dream or did the nightmare inspire susan to ask that why did susan bring it up or was it just we have any evidence that she's under the thrall of this nightmare at all no, I don't know. We haven't heard anything, but I'm just curious as to like where where it came from because it seems sort of out of left field. But I Angel thought that was she's working on. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, you never know. But I thought that was interesting. And we also have there's a lot of circles in these chapters. That was just one that was kind of like a chicken or the egg sort of situation. The other one that I noticed is the the circles. In chapter 17, he struggled to close the circle. And we don't know if this is because of fear, but remember we had issues with him uh, manifesting his will and his power and his magic because of fear and not having faith in himself. And uh, at least that was kind of my perspective on it previously. And also the the different ways that we're willing the circle to come together, willing the circle to break. We're putting more emphasis on that will. We've always had, okay, you know, you, him talking about it, but in the moment in the these chapters, he's, uh, Butcher has very specifically said that he willed the ends of the chalk to come together. He you know, even in the um, the dream, the you know he he willed the circle to break, things like that, and I I love that we're reiterating the importance of will, especially in those protection circles, because it does seem very important that the Somebody's power been of will. To the podcast in between chapters, there, Mister Butcher, <laughs> clearly. But I love that. I really love the emphasis on that, and I also love the use of the faith magic terming it faith magic because we've been talking about that 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 the prayers are magic prayers are incantations and that's absolutely how bob would talk about it yeah for sure right bob wouldn't wouldn't be like he wouldn't pussyfoot around like he doesn't care what people think about it he's just telling you what it is yeah it is magic it's his own kind of magic and i love it um it's really really fantastic uh, and there's so many, um, I don't know if they're, you know, they're going to be red herrings with like the vampires and like every, all the little bits and bobs that we're dealing with. But I do really enjoy all of the pieces of the story where it's not as predictable as one might think. Um, you know, we've got the 
the spells with the black, the black uh, wire. We've got the vampires coming out in daylight. We've got Lydia being under the thrall of the vampires. There's so much going on. And it's all these different levels of magic, these different levels of power within the the universe here. And I, I really think that's fantastic. And on the other note with Will, I love that when he was in the dream, he's saying, this it's a dream. It's only a dream. This isn't how it happened. It's a dream. And his Will and Mr. rescued him. I love that combination. Obviously, it was Bob within the spirit of Mr. Oh, but it was Mr. It was totally Mr. And, and I do love Mr. I haven't actually right, written a few things about Mr. <laughs> for my crackpot theory. Oh, good. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much that, that will. Will is so important. And I love the emphasis on it. And I don't know if it's an intentional emphasis, but. I do love you're starting to really understand these novels. And you can tell because your comments one week are coming back up the next week, which I love. <laughs> um, it's just flowing together very, very neatly. It's not exactly like high level quantum physics or something where it's difficult oh, interesting to, though to understand the not the dresden verse or anything like that but you clearly have a handle on it i liked the fact that the spell on mickey malone was the exact same spell as on agatha hagathorn i thought was super cool yeah and, like incredibly lore expanding basically yeah. changing our entire understanding of what's possible mm -hmm. in this world I thought was really cool. And that's something yeah. that we'll go and continue to see that like fairies, they're just like us. Um, they're, <laughs> they're not, but they're really not. We're all on the same plane of existence for a reason. Yeah. Um, obviously there are varying power levels and various tiers of, of things, but at the end of the day, like it makes sense that a spell could affect both because we're both in the same universe. This universe yeah. has rules and laws. Why? Why would it be different? But it's just something you don't think about. Again, you know, comparing it to other ghost stories. Mm -hmm. There isn't really that kind of idea, which I just think is it's brilliant. It's just a really cool idea to expand the lore and change the universe. Um, I do. Like the, there is so much well-developed lore. I agree. I think it's fantastic. And it's not, it, uh, very little of it is completely out of left field. I think the oh, Red yeah. vampires are pretty new, new and exciting, but the vast majority of what he's got is just based on previous lore and other stories and fairy mm -hmm. tales and stuff. And he just brings it to life in such a really cool fashion that is just... But it also gives you a, a level of understanding where it's an accessibility because there are rules that we know. Exactly. Sunli sunlight's going to fry a vampire. Yes. That's a rule that we know and it's a well-established rule and we're familiar with it. And so you don't, every new creature, new thing you introduce, you don't need to beat over the head of the mm -hmm. audience. You yeah. You have an idea and an understanding. And this one, obviously the vampires aren't new because we've met Bianca and we've seen how sunlight affects her, but you can introduce them in, you know, Kyle and Kelly Hamilton and their, you know, their plans to build a whole new ski lodge in, and, <laughs> and it doesn't, we don't need to stop and really even think about it. You, know, yeah. you introduce a ghost, you don't really need to think about it. You know, ghost dust. Sure. We explain it by by doing you know yep. all the all this new lore is is not expositioned it's just show don't tell in a really yeah. cool way um, it's really well executed it it truly is it's the way that he gives us information is 
spectacular. I really do like it. I really do appreciate how he does it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just not a ton of real big hefty development. I did mm-hmm. like that this was more of a classic detective story kind of six yeah. chapters. You know, like he's yeah. he really is digging into the evidence and solving the crimes and then mm-hmm. his girlfriend's calling about some other crime that somehow turns out to be connected to this one, you know? Yeah. Um, just really cool kind of going back to its roots. I know this is book three, but it is still going back to its roots. It's not just supernatural fun. There's actually mm-hmm. a detective story. There's a, there's a whodunit that we're yeah. trying, trying to dig through here as well, which I thought was really cool. And it's well executed, which helps. Absolutely. So um, beyond that, anything else you want to skip ahead? No, I've got, I've got a little bit of a uh, yikes action in here, but, uh, but I don't have anything other, other analysis other than that stuff. Yeah. Yikes. All right. So another six chapters that weren't exactly blasting in the face with some yikes. There's some iffy, 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 iffy stuff. But, uh, what do you got on the yikes front here, Liz? Um, well, I really kind of was creeped out by the Bob wanting to be in his head for the Susan thing. I know Bob is supposed to be problematic, but that was, uh, that was a little icky. Yeah, um, yeah. that was and my the, big one. There was another one where he mentions like when he's taking Bob for the ride along, like stay out of girls locker rooms. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, Bob's, uh, and he, Bob's a problematic creature. Yes. Till he gets I, the internet. <laughs> Goodness. Um, and the other one is just kind of like, he was a little creepy with the Kelly fight scene, but that was, when he was under the thrall. And again, it's the, again, it's the, this fucking problem that is kind of the new problem. It used to be whenever he introduces new female characters. Mm-hmm. Now it's whenever he's in a life or death struggle and there's yeah. a woman around. <laughs> yeah. It's Which like, I guess is a more mature problem. So we're progressing. I tell my kids all the time is that mistakes are okay. Yeah. But find a new mistake, right? You yeah. made a mistake, learn from it move on and let's make another mistake so we could continue to learn. So, uh, you know, Mr. Butcher has found a new mistake. He stopped introducing every woman isn't introduced as a creep show. Now it's just every time Harry's in the battle for his, his life and there's a titty around the titty is more important than the battle for his life. Yeah. Which is a little uncomfortable, which I mean, I, I get, I get, but it's a weird, Oh, it's weird. I mean, I get it. I get it. If you're going to die, I mean, you may as well go, go out looking at some titties, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) it is it is definitely certainly seems to be from the end of full moon till now definitely yeah but you know the one thing i've noticed so far there's not been a lot of naked people in this book oh give it time i'm sure Uh, i'm sure but that was just you know a realization where i'm like hey we haven't had a naked person in uh peril yeah, I mean that's got we gotta fix that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Naked people in peril. Dressed files. <laughs> um, yeah, but again, it's I don't want to say it's damning with faint praise to say like, oh, only those two little yikesy moments. I mean, we must be doing great, but really, we are doing great. I mean, it it's progress, and that was again a big part of what I wanted to help people do yeah. in this in this podcast is get through get through the muck early on mm-hmm. and hopefully, you know, does it make it less problematic that we're talking about it being problem? No, but it, you can kind of contextualize and understand it and realize that you're not the only one who sees it, Yeah. but also hold each other's hands through as we you know, get through it. Yeah. And 
like the uh, like the werewolves at the department store when the lights go out. Everybody hold hands and we run through this mess. Yes. And on the other side, we'll have this fresh air and this beautiful, wonderful series to enjoy together. Um, hopefully, we're coming through that. But again, like I said, I, I can picture at least one major point of contention coming up and we'll see how it goes throughout. But mm -hmm. um, And the next, yeah, well, I don't want to ruin your anything, so never mind. But there's going to be some <laughs> opportunities for yikesiness moving forward, but hopefully he sticks to his guns and continues to grow and improve. Nice. Um, I'm on board. I'm on board with that. Yeah, so far. And I'm actually really impressed myself with how quickly the yikesiness has, has settled. A little has bit. dissipated? Yeah, it's, it's still there. And again, you're allowed to have a noir, chivalrous douchebag. I say that with love. Um, as your hero, when he gets called on it, you know, and mm -hmm. he gets punished for it. And that's what's happening. You know, yeah. Everyone knows, like, oh, you gave up your talisman? <laughs> to Lydia, like everyone is giving him shit for it, you know, uh, just because of who he is, which I just think yeah. is funny. But um, yeah, what um, what do you got for quotes of the week? We All right, a, we really need a musical segue for the quotes. I of know, the week. I've got a few quotes of the week. What do you got, Harry? This is Michael and uh, Harry on the phone, and uh, Michael's asking about the car being impounded. Murphy fixed it for me, Harry. He said, disappointed, she broke the law to get your car back. Darn tootin' she did. She owed me a favor. Hey, man, the Almighty doesn't arrange for me to be every, anywhere on time. I need wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. And the other one, we already actually, uh, we actually read as well the, um, that he's hard on buildings, which I just love that. Because it's true. He makes things go boom all the time. But I just, I loved that. Damn, I'm looking back at the spreading fires. I'm kind of hard on buildings. I just love that. I thought it was spectacular. And it's just so hairy. It really is. He's hard on buildings and a lot of things. <laughs> Makes for a good podcast name, though, I'll tell you what. <laughs> All right. Mine uh, is when Harry and Bob are talking. There's just so many good ones in there. That, that entire, entire, that entire exchange is fantastic. chapter could really just be my quote of the week but the, mm -hmm. there are only a couple of possibilities a we're dealing with some kind of godlike being in which case we're screwed and the absurd understatement award goes to harry Dresden. <laughs> and then another bob one where okay we've really got to find this thing if it's using my power it makes me responsible for what it does with it harry that's irrational that doesn't make it any less true okay we've now left reason and sanity junction next up <laughs> Looneyville. <laughs> I love it. You already read it, but it's just, again, this entire chapter I really want to read. So, oh, yeah. I'm reading a third quote from it. The, Bob, you can't just go around killing people. I know. That's why you should do it. I love it. Every part of that is just so good. So, but, I mean, it is, it's a great chapter. It, re it really is probably my favorite chapter of the books so far. Yeah, no, just it's just them riffing, and that again, mm -hmm. you get two established characters riffing with a point. You know, there, it, there's again the his method of storytelling and scene construction. He calls it asking a question, mm -hmm. um, and that's what it is. There's a question in the scene, and how do you answer it with the story and the characters? And mm -hmm. this is just a great way of the characters working through that question mm -hmm. and trying to figure out where the story goes next. 
But you, when you do it with two characters who are lovable and funny and have a good rapport, you just get scenes like this that are both mm-hmm. great for the plot, great for the lore, great for the character. Again, we've been fawning over the the, the abilities of the author yeah. so much, but that scene is just a perfect example of how you write a novel. <laughs> like, it's, 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 a, it's how you write an interaction. Yeah, exactly. How... And it's not even humans, but how creatures, beings yeah. interact is just, it's I mean, fantastic. It's just to- absolutely top notch. And that's, you know, and that wasn't even the chapter we were really, we were really all about it, I don't think. I think this may have been even one before that we were talking about the same thing. So mm-hmm. um, just really a great chunk. It really, it really is. I mean, it's just, it's so well done. It truly yeah. is. Yeah. So he's really coming into his own here. And again, this is book three of a current 17, bunch of... There are some short stories and some micro fictions that I do want us to kind of I'll figure out when makes sense to take a um, break from the main storyline just to read some of the novels. I think mm-hmm. maybe we're still a few novels away from because I don't want to do it because I don't want to do it where we read one short story here, novel, 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 one short story there. There are some exceptions maybe to that, but mm-hmm. I think maybe one week of the podcast will be these three or four short stories or something like that. Okay. That are important. I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here. Maybe we'll see where it goes. Maybe we'll see kind of what some of the audience thinks as well. Makes the most sense. Um, definitely give us your feedback on which short stories you think are imperative to the narrative. Um, definitely some of the ones that involve strength of a river in his shoulders or whatever the hell is river shoulders full name is. Um, are going to be important as uh, we get deeper and deeper into the novels. Certainly there's a couple books that come up after changes. There's some short stories we want to get into, you know, but um, those are the easy ones. What, um, you know, what, what short stories do you want us to go through? What sto- short stories do you think make the most sense? And what would Lissy be missing out the most on if we skipped mm-hmm. over? So let go. us know. We got, Cause um, I am the most important part. You know, every day we realize that more and more. <laughs> the podcast is on fire at gmail.com. The podcast is on fire. TikTok. The podcast is on fire. Facebook. All sorts of shit. Hit us up. And we got that uh, Reddit uh, thread as well that people keep finding once in a while, which is great. And yeah, I'm just so far so good. This is... I really like this novel, and this is one of those books where he says in his Woj word of Jim's, you know, at conventions and stuff, that there's a lot of meat and potatoes in the back end of this novel that people have not picked up on. That there's there's a party coming up. Obviously, you know about the party that he he was invited yeah. to. Spoiler alert: We're going to see that party because yeah, like I figured as much. Chekhov's. Um, invitation we're going to we're obviously going to see that party and there's some stuff at that party that he says are really important and resonate through throughout the novels that some people have and haven't picked up on um and there's just some really cool interactions there we meet some really cool characters there so i'm very excited this is one of those novels that i like it a lot it's not one of my favorite top three or anything like that uh-huh. but it's so chock full of good chunky lore and awesome. important stuff that this is a really fun one to dig dive deep into because even again even i am so smart and brilliant enough i've just fucking floated through these novels a lot of times over the last decade <laughs> and uh 
I'm picking up stuff every time we go through. That's awesome. Really cool stuff. So um, I appreciate you, Alyssa. I appreciate our fans and fans, people listening, our listeners, I guess. Um, what do you got? Any parting words or thoughts? You know what? It is, it's getting more and more interesting. And I'm, I'm glad we're sticking around. I'm sticking around. <laughs> it was touch and go there for a minute early on in Stormfront. But <laughs> very cool. Well, thank you so much. Life is good. And uh, can't wait for the next time. I, I'm thinking we'll stick to the six chapters at a time. I'm going to check right now as I say It that. works well. It, it seems to have worked well. Uh, then we're not boring you for... We're not boring you for six hours per uh, episode. <laughs> it's not about not boring them. It's about me being able to do the editing. That too. More importantly. Oh, yeah. No, 20, 24 is going to be a great place to stop as well. Okay. Here, so. Um, so six chapters at a time is great. And beyond that, man, just... I'm glad you're you're digging it because, like I said, this is it is starting to get good, but they they really do shoot to the moon from here. So without prejudicing you too much, obviously, <laughs> seventeen books. If the if the peak was book three, I wouldn't be this excited to share it with you. So <laughs> I don't think that's really that much of a spoiler. So alrighty, uh, thank you, Liz, and thank you guys all so much. I have been Josh, and I am Alyssa. Podcast is on fire. And it wasn't my fault. Like episode 30 or 40, I feel like you'll know the name of your. I will eventually. One of these days, we'll figure it out. (laughs) At some point, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm really, really smart some days.